There comes a time when you look into the mirror and you realize that what you see is all that you will ever be. We're standing at a crossroads, and I don't like where we're going. There's someone else out there, Natal. And so it begins. to death by cats hello and welcome to who are you a babylon 5 Watchcast, hosted by two friends who are continuing to get to know each other while watching one of the favorite shows in their childhood babylon 5 i'm trafair and i'm laura and normally i'd ask you who are you laura but instead we're gonna have a little bit of fun this is michael hare's last episode so instead of our normal open, we're going to do a fan recast, knowing that the show is currently getting rebooted. I have one name. <laughs> I, there's, there's one person. I thought about this for a minute, and I'm like, I, I made a list of things that I wanted this person to have in common with Michael Hare and then things that I expect from the role. Okay. And I want to hear the lists. Yeah. And one actor came to mind immediately, and I'm just like, it's perfect. Okay. So. I can I can go and do my thing, or I think you said you had two or three. I, I had a few different like that I bounced around, but I want to hear your list of criteria that you had for the Sinclair character first. Okay. And I can tell you mine then after that. So for the Sinclair character, my top note, capital letters, big dad energy. <laughs> Needs to be able to step back and let others shine but can take over a room in a moment mm -hmm. has to be able to play with a mysterious past. That's a very important part of the character. Yeah, sure. So they have to be able to like play that like level of confusion and that level of intrigue. And then looking at Michael Hare, I note that his background is Broadway mostly. True. Yes. That this was his first big TV role. He is not a genre actor. Right. He was not doing anything science fiction or fantasy before. Everything was very grounded in reality for him before this. Mm -hmm. He went to Harvard and Juilliard, I noted. Wow. I don't yeah. think I caught the, I knew the Juilliard. I don't think I caught the Harvard. Yep. And also he's from the Midwest. He's from Illinois. Oh, okay. So that, that was the things I wrote down and decided to look at for an actor. Mm -hmm. And I found someone who fits every single one of these boxes except for two okay and they're not particularly important boxes I which feel. boxes didn't they hit they've had a previous big tv role okay and they did not go to harvard and juilliard yeah those aren't those aren't big deals to me all of the other boxes checked though okay from broadway background to from illinois wow uh, big dad energy the whole deal <laughs> okay what'd you come up with I propose that should Sinclair be a character in the reboot of Babylon 5, I think the, the best choice for casting is Christopher Jackson. Uh, this is where we pause for <laughs> Laura to Google because Laura has to see people to know who you're talking about. Christopher Jackson is most famous, probably, well, definitely, for originating the roles of Benny for In the Heights and George Washington for Hamilton. Oh, yes. So yeah, that, that was my criteria. I think 
Christopher Jackson would do a fantastic job in the role. Mm -hmm. He has a very commanding presence, but has that ability to kind of step back and let everyone else do their thing around him. Yeah. I mean, George Washington, like that's, yeah, that character is a lot of that energy. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm here for it. That's, that's my fan cast is uh, Christopher Jackson. Fantastic. Who did you come up with? Did you have, what were your criteria? Yeah. I did not get as granular as you on, you know, comparison to Michael O'Hare, but I was looking for some big dad energy. Yeah. I wasn't looking for like that, you know, cause there, I think dad energy is a very fraught idea that you could get like very patriarchal hierarchical person as mm -hmm. a dad character. I've, I've got air quotes going on. Yeah. So I was looking for the sort of dad energy that is, I want to help this other person grow and succeed dad energy mm -hmm. rather than anything hierarchical or anything like that, which I think you also were headed that direction. Yeah, I think it's a, especially for Sinclair, it's a bit of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, he obviously to, he's in the military. There's. Yeah. He needs to be able to go, no, I'm the commanding officer here. F off. But he also needs to go, Ivanova, why haven't you grieved your dad? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I was so. really looking for that, that mm -hmm. energy. And my, my sort of method was not, you know, I, I, I'm really good at remembering characters, but I'm not good at remembering actors. So mm -hmm. I kind of just get to Googling because I, I don't remember who is what and that sort of thing. Um, and I was looking for, you know, the age range of about mid thirties up to maybe 50. I know mm -hmm. that Michael O'Hare wasn't that old during the role. He wasn't in his fifties, but I thought, you know, we could get some good dad energy up and up in that age range. And thinking about the, the Broadway background, as I was Googling, I was like, you know, Hugh Jackman would be pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he's a, a big, big name, but mm -hmm. he has those Broadway credits. He has that very distinguished air. He has that, I can command this room or I can sink back in the background skill set. And, you know, I, I wish that Sean Bean were like 20 years younger. Because we all know that he's he's good at dad, right? After yeah. watching Game of Thrones. And he's good at that balance of I'm in charge, but also I have these two daughters that I really love mm -hmm. from his Game of Thrones experience. It was important to me to also like consider a lady. And looking around, I saw Carrie Washington. And okay. I thought, you know, because of her TV experience, she could bring that the sort of the same mom energy that the role would need. But ultimately I settled on, and this may be a weird choice, but I really liked Donald Glover. Yeah? Yeah. I know that uh, he has the goofy background in Community, having that big series. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously- He's done he's, plenty of serious stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's got that singer, rapper persona, Childish Gambino. And- Obviously has some music chops. Yeah, he's very talented. Very talented. But I, I was just looking at pictures of him, and there was one in particular that I'm going to send you. Okay. And I don't. I wish I knew what year this was from. I don't think it's a current picture because I think he's doing a bald thing right now. It's this picture. This is on. <laughs> this is apparently a Encyclopedia Britannica. But the picture oh. that you click on. Yeah, that first one. Okay. Uh huh. 
like with the beard, with the hair, mm-hmm. and just looking so stoic. I was like, yeah. yes, I want this for Sinclair. And we know that he can, you know, deliver a silly, hammy line sometimes yeah. in the middle of the context of an episode. And it would be good. Mm-hmm, so, for sure. That was my choice, was Donald Glover. All right. Well, I would watch this show regardless, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, me too. Reboot. But if either of these actors were uh, chosen for the role of Sinclair, I'd be very interested to see their portrayals. And with that, let's... Let's get to through this finale. This is yeah. the last episode of season one. Season one, episode 23, Chrysalis. Yeah. Michael O'Hare's last episode. Yep. Well, as a regular cast member. As a regular cast member, yes. We open on Jakar and Wando arguing about a border conflict. The Narn have decided that their previous peace treaty, because it was only agreed to under the duress of occupation, is not valid. An agreement signed under duress is no agreement at all, is it, Ambassador? Hmm. And they're just not getting anywhere with anyone. They refuse to cede any point. The Centauri are like, look, we're just, we're not even fighting you about the territory. We just want to be able to fly through it. And the Narn are just like, no. Yeah. Sinclair interrupts to ask why the Narn are attacking after mm-hmm. five years of relative peace. And Jakar claims that this is necessary for planetary security. And then Londo just casually threatens to destroy their whole planet. Yep. Uh, we should say also that with this episode opened with a little note and the subtitles at the bottom telling us that this is December 30th, 2258. Yes, the end of the year. Yeah, so we've, we've wrapped up a whole year on Babylon 5. But meanwhile, we get a first-person view of me at a party in college. Uh, coming through to Garibaldi and we get a pending murder attempt to theme yeah he tells Garibaldi that he has to stop them Mm -hmm. and they are going to kill him but Garibaldi doesn't get to find out more because Petrov dies dramatically in his arms yep Uh, we get back to the command staff in Medlab where Garibaldi explains that this guy was a fucking narc yeah as Franklin very nonchalantly is just like, yeah, so he's dead. Mm-hmm. He's very flippant here. Um, I, f- I feel that Garibaldi is also a little flippant with his, you know, this person worked for him. This person was an informant. Yeah. And yet he still calls him by the derogatory term lurker. Yeah. He's a lurker, you know? Yeah. And mm. Franklin's just like, why would you waste my time with someone so clearly dead? Yeah. We cut to Sakai and Sinclair, who we haven't seen in a while, watching the news during a nice uh, sofa snuggle sesh. Yeah. And they're talking about life and maybe spending it together. Uh, JK, mm-hmm. unless they're getting married. Yes, it's been quite a pony ride. Yeah, this was cute. Yeah. I liked this. This was a, a scene I could identify with. The news was telling us that We're expecting a New Year's Day speech from President Santiago to be held at the jump point on Io. Mm -hmm. And I noticed they mentioned uh, his five-year presidential term. So we we stretch another year out of our presidents in the future. Oh, good. (laughs) Just what we needed. Right. Longer term limits. (laughs) It doesn't say how many terms they can have either. It's true. Three, four. Five, ten. Uh, mm. Meanwhile, 
Lando asks Veer out of the 50 or so Centauri gods how many he must have personally offended to have Jakar have him like this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Veer says all of them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, this is so good. I I like a lot of things about that. I like that the Centauri have an indefinite number of gods, depending on how you want to count it. There's no agreed upon theology. Yeah. It's it's who you want to count. That's fun. The Centauri plan to cede the sector to the Narn in the name of peace. And just when he's ready to just like, okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet and do this. It's time to eat shit. Mm-hmm. Morden calls. Mr. Morden is like, meet me in an hour. Yeah. He in just... the gardens. Vera seems a little suspicious off the bat, which I love because he yeah. absolutely should be. 100% he should be. I mean, he makes his feelings about Mr. Morden clear in a couple of episodes. Yeah. So. Yep. Meanwhile, we cut to Delenn, who is looking like she's about to win her game of Cones of Dunshire. Looks like someone's out of resource gem. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I said the same thing. And uh, we get an answer from Kosh on a question we don't know. Yes. That's great. I mean, that's the standard Kosh, right? Yeah. She leaves her cones in a hurry. She tells Linear to wait. Mm-hmm. And we cut to Garibaldi visiting down below. And finding out that routinely hassling people and referring to people with derogatory language doesn't make them sympathetic to your needs. Funny how the only time you seem to care is when one of your weasels gets it. Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> Did you catch at timestamp 9.30, 9 minutes, 30 seconds, that we've got a bunch of people huddling around a glowing space barrel? <laughs> That's fun. I did not catch anything in the background this episode. Wow. I've talked a bit about my viewing experience, how I watched the show. I feel like that's an important way, you know, how, how you take in art, how you, how you view art impacts, how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. So normally, you know, I'm at home, I'm on my sofa, I've got my big TV, I'm watching the HD cuts, you know, like it is, there's a little bit of effort put in to my viewing experience. Mm-hmm. I was traveling for work. Right. I watched this on my plane ride home. Oh. On my laptop. On a copy that I had found. The So this is the old copy that I was watching before the HD remasters. I had like a hard copy on a hard drive of all of the episodes from probably 15 years ago. So these are very low def, not pretty copies. I'm watching it on a 13-inch laptop screen while mm-hmm. the 15-year-old in the seat next to me has fallen asleep on my shoulder. No. And I'm like, I don't know you, dude. And you're like a kid and your mom is like two rows up and this is really awkward for me. But mm-hmm. you also clearly just need to sleep. And I'm like, so I'm like writing my notes on one hand, watching this, pausing with like my one hand because I don't want to move my one arm too much jostling awake. Yeah. It was a very different viewing experience from my normal. Not the ideal. Where I'm yeah. I'm here for it was you. Not 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 a pleasant experience for me. I'm here for you and I caught this glowing barrel. I appreciate it. Thank you. It it reminded me honestly of Chud and that sort of like <laughs> urban poverty thing. And I was like, how sad. How sad that in this vision of the future, which I am starting to feel is more and more realistic as mm-hmm. I get older that we still have people huddled around the glowing space barrel this time. 
trying to keep warm. So, yeah, that's a fun get. Also, another excuse to use our chud drop. You're the most hideous fucking chud I've ever met. Yeah. We'll take. Space Tyrion Lannister calls Garibaldi into a makeshift shelter, tells him that Petrov got hired to move some illegitimate cargo for transport last week for a man named Devereaux. (laughs) (laughs) The last time Tyrion saw Petrov was right before he went looking for Garibaldi, and he was apparently terrified. So we've got Devereaux in the mix now. Garibaldi has a lead. Yep. And we move over to Londo, going to meet Mr. Morton. In the Babylon 5 hedge maze. In the Babylon 5 hedge maze. So I sent you a photo on Facebook a couple of days ago. There was an issue with this episode when it aired. So there was a problem with the audio that caused the station to recompile the episode right before it aired. Oh, no. And when they recompiled it, some of the digital effects were left out. This included the digital effect of Londo superimposed in the whole hedge maze. And instead, the shot that aired was the photo that I sent you of Londo walking in between two ferns. Oh, my gosh. I I wondered what this was when you sent it to me. Like, it was that out of context that I didn't. Yeah, I I, I was ambiguous on purpose so I could have this moment. Um <laughs> Me? Dramatic? Extra? Anyways, uh, (laughs) yeah. So, Jameis was uh, pissed. Oh, yeah. Uh, Livid. Uh, Now, it was fine on the UK airing, obviously, all the other airings. And the the bad episode only aired, like, once. Yeah. Before the proper one was there. And knowing now that it didn't stop season two from happening, hilarious. Yeah. But knowing that the time that it could have, mm-hmm. understandably very upsetting. At the time, that would be very upsetting. Anyways, Lando meets Mr. Morden in the maze. Lando and Mr. Morden discuss the Narn situation. Morden says he and his associates will handle it. But first, he should make a point of notifying his government that Lando is seeing to it personally. Mm, this is all the red flags, right? Right. All of them. We got, you know flattery londo has untapped potential that we want we're gonna fix your problem for you mm-hmm. no charge we'll just oh, come yeah. get something from you in the future yeah yeah what's this gonna cost oh a favor one day yeah <laughs> this is all the bad signs londo mm-hmm. but oh, he don't you, care no you you just you really want him not to take it but obviously he's going to so yeah we cut to Delenn visiting Kosh mm-hmm. in person. And he reveals his true form to her. Yeah. He opens up his encounter suit because she demands to know if something is true and she wants to see it with her own eyes. Yep. And we get it off screen. But apparently whatever she sees is satisfactory because she agrees to keep her promise and leaves. Yeah. His uh, visage reassures her of her doubts. And knowing what we know is coming with that, and we do have the mystery of what the Vorons look like revealed to us, yeah, it makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So if you're, it's your first time watching, it will it will make sense eventually. Yeah. Why why this would do this? We get a nice teaser here where Delenn sees inside the suit, but eventually we shall all see inside the suit. Mm-hmm. 
the next day, it's New Year's Eve. Yep. And we see Garibaldi in the casino looking for Demera in relation to the lyrical that was killed that we talked about earlier. He tells Garibaldi that he has overstepped his bounds and that this is bigger than him. And Garibaldi's yeah. all like, I don't, what? I'm, I'm chief of security. You're coming with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm shaking on my boots. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, dude. We cut back to Londo. We're, a lot, we're doing a lot of cutting in this episode. Yes. Returning to his quarters where Veer tells him Homeworld is asking whether he's relayed their decision to the council. Mm-hmm. Londo tells Veer that he will not, and he asks him to send a message to the Homeworld that he will personally take care of the situation in Quadrant 37. Veer, I am quite sober. Veer questions a little bit, but as Veer always does, he does what he's told. Lando pours himself a drink. Meanwhile, Sinclair goes to check in on Jakar. Uh, Natoth says that he is fatigued mm-hmm. from his busy schedule as three women leave his bedroom right after. Yeah, that's a busy schedule, right? Uh, and Natoth <laughs> is just like, JK, uh, he's no longer busy. I'm also leaving immediately. <laughs> I'm just leaving the station out of disgust of this moment. And then we get to see Jakar in his bathrobe. Mm-hmm. We saw Londo in the sleep shirt. Now we get Jakar in his bathrobe. This is very like fancy hotel bathrobe vibes. Mm-hmm. Like I think nice these are the ones class. they put in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you check into Babylon 5, it's all like, and here's your complimentary bathrobe. Well, that's a nice it's, touch. I always like that. Sinclair asked Jakar to give the Centauri room to maneuver on um, the Sector 37 issue. Jakar's just like, it's old news. And he's just reveling in his victory. Sinclair tells Jakar they're at a crossroads. The Narn are overcompensating. And they are becoming no better than how the Centauri were. Yeah. Jakar tells him that we all do what we have to, basically, <laughs> and asks him to go. After this, we cut to Breath of Fresh Air where Ivanova and Garibaldi are asked to be the best man and weight of honor for the pending nuptials of Sinclair and Sakai. And everybody looks smashing. Yeah, everyone's dressed up. I loved Ivanova's dress. I want it so bad. That blue, (laughs) perfect on her. They don't get to celebrate for long. Yeah, he gets a buzz that Demero is no longer in holding. He's just gone. That's not a good sign either. Nope. Garibaldi tells the group that Devereaux was carrying the same kind of unlicensed BPG given to Earth Force Special Security, but his name wasn't on file. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. What do you think? There's, I feel like there's two things that this could be then. Yeah. Either he is Earth Force Special Security and he's been scrubbed from the file because he's doing bad the things thing. as we find out. Yeah. Or he's like... Maybe supplies have been diverted from Earth Force Special Security to these well, people. Or... I think he is not security. I don't think he's given what happens to him uh-huh. at the end of the mid near the end of the episode. There, mm-hmm. I don't think he is anyone of import. Yeah, maybe he has diverted supplies, but he's not an actual agent. Yeah, I don't think so. Or maybe yeah. he is, and all the more reason to. See what happens to him. Yeah. Meanwhile, a fleet of spider ships appears and wipes out the entire Narn military presence in Sector 37. Yeah. We get a bit on ISN about the vice president becoming sick and leaving President Clark's current trip. Huh. 
<laughs> Garibaldi investigates that cargo with his aide, digs through the missing cargo, and uncovers the plot to kill President Clark. As he goes to tell Sinclair what is going on, his aide shoots him. We never get a name on this guy, do we? In, at least in this episode. Not in this episode. He's around a bunch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he's been in a bunch of episodes. So now, in the original version of the story, the plant was going to be Lieutenant Commander Nakashimi, hmm. who uh, later was replaced by Ivanova. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Commodore O. Yes, she was going to be the plant. Uh, wow. Okay. That could have been interesting. So apparently some of the early plot documents leaked on the internet and oh. JMS <laughs> was aware of this. Yeah. So when they replaced the character with Ivanova, he also took the opportunity to replace who the plant was because okay. apparently there's a bunch of traffic online about, oh, well, Ivanova is going to be the plant. You know, Ivanova yeah. is going to turn on the main characters or something. And so he kind of like took it as a chance at misdirection from yeah. a like internet leak standpoint, which is super interesting to me mm -hmm. um, because it's probably the first time that was a thing. Something mm -hmm. getting leaked to the internet and then changed because of it. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. But JMS goes on and says this was the plan since episode three or whatever. The aid is in the background a ton whenever there is some like shady behavior from security he's present uh there's a couple of times there's like very convenient evidence found for a crime that's just mm -hmm. like oh we found this thing he's in the background there are a couple of times people have escaped from the brig whenever that has happened the aide was the person working the station when they like cut it's always him there and you just said the words a couple of times people have escaped from the brig like i feel like we should have that should have raised some alarm bells huh but it was meant <laughs> to be in the background mm -hmm. and uh you it was purposely there to not have attention drawn to it like he's not the person saying these things he's this right present yeah but the fact that people are escaping our brig um that seems like an issue i, mean, I think it only happened twice but yeah i have to go back and Anyways, we'll, we'll count those for the recap. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine the show, though, if Ivanova turned here. Mm, that would make me so sad. Like, besides, like, how that changes season one, how that changes everything that's coming. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, a, you, the show wouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah. No. I like her where she is. 100%. Thank you, JMS. We cut to Sinclair's quarters where they learn that Garibaldi is missing. Before Sinclair can follow up, Delenn goes to visit Sinclair. She shows him the triluminary, and he confesses he does have some memory of what happened at the blind. Delenn wants to explain everything. Sinclair needs to find out what's going on with Garibaldi first. Delenn asks him to come to her quarters, but quickly she doesn't have much time. Yeah. We see Garibaldi coming to and trying to crawl into an elevator. Yeah, doing his uh. best John McClane in the vents, but in a hallway. Yeah. <laughs> Natoth wakes up Jakar to tell him that the outpost has been completely destroyed. No record and no survivors. It's as if some great hand reached out of space and just erased them. Jakar kind of goes through all of the known players in the galaxy and has one reason or another had to dismiss their culpability. 
Yeah. Even the Centauri. Yeah. Even the Centauri, it's like, they couldn't have done this. Like if they could have done this, they would have done this already. Right. You know, it wasn't the humans for this reason. It was, you know, the Mimbari wouldn't get involved. The League of Non-Aligned Worlds isn't technologically advanced enough. This is someone else. This is someone that is an unknown player on the galactic scene that is very powerful. There is someone else in the universe. Hmm. Well, Midnight hits and Garibaldi collapses in an elevator while everyone else counts down to the new year in the casino. (laughs) Uh, A couple tries to get on the elevator and they find Garibaldi knocked out on the floor. And I just want to say, I feel like this is a real missed opportunity to have Talia be the one to open up this elevator (laughs) and let out the scream. Uh, She's not in this episode. Yeah, I know. Because it would destroy the plot if she was. Oh, yeah. Good point. (laughs) Yeah. I just really wanted it to be her because of her thing about Mr. Garibaldi is always on the elevator. Yeah, no, that would have been fun. Yeah, Uh, I would have had a good laugh. But she would have just read Demero's mind or something would have tricked them or like it would have been a thing. Garibaldi, when he was unconscious, they would have figured it out. Yeah. Much sooner than they do. Yeah. And the timing of things is very pertinent. Mm hmm. Meanwhile, Delenn completes her game of Cones of Dunshire, has Valen prophesized. Moves my brinksman to the devil's lair and pushes my farmer, yes, my humble farmer, directly into the central cone. Lanier is concerned. If Delenn is wrong, she's likely dead. And then the device starts covering her quarters in silly string. And she says if Seclair is going to come, he needs to do it fast. Garibaldi is in medbay. And manages to make out the plot to kill the president. Yeah, but he's missing important, pertinent details, unfortunately. Yep. They can't reach Earth Force One, Jupiter Military, or Earth Dome, and CNC. They turn on ISN, and they see the ship explode. The president has been killed. They were too late. Yeah. Garibaldi wasn't able to articulate the jamming equipment that he found, which Mm -hmm. is key here you know Ivanova says we're being jammed and they can't get through and they try to get through to ISN but it's too late and we see it on the TV so JMS talked at length on Usenet about this moment specifically trying to capture what it was like when JFK was killed not an event that you or I would remember no oh no we're both too young for that yeah although I'm sure we both can tell each other where we were on 9-11 right Yeah. Which is our generation's equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a couple of very deliberate things that come up later in relation to that. Okay. So we'll get to that, but I just wanted to plant it in the back of everyone's minds. First, we cut to Garibaldi in Medbay, whose chances aren't good. Sinclair places Garibaldi's aide in charge of finding Demero and in charge of Garibaldi's protection. And my brain did it. Botany Bay. (laughs) (laughs) on the monorail jakar and atoff find ivanova and discuss what a terrible day it is for all of them yeah they will both surely be on a quest for justice in the hedge maze Mm -hmm. londo meets with morden completely astounded at whatever these associates have accomplished here Mm -hmm. which morden claims is only what he was asked to do londo is very incredulous and Mr. Borden sues him with the knowledge that he's being noticed in the highest Centauri circles. But Londo rightly notes that 10,000 lives is a high price to pay for this attention. Yep. 
but Mr. Morton blows that off. Yeah, it's like oh, 10,000, 100,000, a million. It doesn't matter. They're just Nartons. Ambassador, you're a hero. Enjoy it. Then we get a brand new senator we've never seen before telling Sinclair to shut up. This was a mechanical error. Um, this is not a plot. There's no plot to kill the president. And meanwhile, we see that the aide killed Demereaux in his and his associates in, I'm air quoting here, self-defense. Yeah. But the other security picks up the, the PPG that Devereaux had and uh, with his bare hands, which yeah. we've talked about evidence practices on the show. <laughs> I don't think you're supposed to do that. But he notes that it's cold and it couldn't have been fired. Yeah. But he quickly capitulates when Garibaldi's aide challenges him. Yeah, you know how fast those things cool down. Don't count the bullets. <laughs> Back on ISN. Clark is sworn into office. So back to that JFK parallel, this shot was framed to match the swearing in of LBJ. Now that you say that, I see it. Almost identically. And by complete coincidence, the filming of this scene took place on the anniversary of that occasion. Wow. Yep. That's a, that's a heck of a coincidence too. That it is. I mean, I feel like if you're doing the production and you're within a day, like it's possible to make that happen. You kind of just like, oh, you just do it. This. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like it's still like for that episode, like the filming order, because this was filmed halfway through. This was the 12th episode they made mm. um, because that. of okay. all of the effects that they had to go into it. Oh, sure. Um, That's where we really ramped it up to this in this episode. Lots yeah. of effects. Yeah, so they knew that it was going to require a ton of post-production time compared to everything else. Makes sense. So they filmed it very early, which is also why so much of the foreshadowing in the back half of the season points directly to things in this episode because it was already written and filmed. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, these were actually Mr. Morden's first scenes he filmed were in this episode. Oh, okay. And apparently uh, the day of, JMS was not happy with the, the takes. And had talked to the actor and was all like, no, you, you're like a funny, aloof dude sometimes. That's what we were hoping for. You know, you're way too serious. And then when he saw the dailies, he's just all like, oh, this is fucking perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Don't change a thing. <laughs> I was wrong. You're great. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great that we haven't ever seen President Luis Santiago in person. There is. there. We see a picture of him, I think. I think we see a picture of him, but we've never seen him speak. Yeah. We've heard him speak, I think, in one of the episodes he, he gave a speech. Mm -hmm. But we didn't see him do it. Yeah. And immediately when President Clark is being sworn in, we see him. Yeah. We're shown that scene. For sure. And he immediately turns Earth insular. Yeah. You know, we need to focus on our problems at home. Kosh finds Sinclair. So it begins. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, by the way, you forgot something. He's just like, oh, shit, the lead. I really like the idea of Kosh as um, a remember all. If you're familiar with that. From... <laughs> yeah. The Harry Potter. Yeah. Just Kosh shows up and you're like, oh, shit, what have I forgotten to do? Right. Kosh shows up. <laughs> you know, that's when you know. He runs to her quarters. And when he arrives, Lanier is standing vigil and she is in a cocoon. She's changing into something unknown and all that money we spent on special effects and this cocoon still looked 
like crap. <laughs> you needed to be able to see her through it. Yeah. To know that she was there. Yeah. I guess. But like the the shot of it glowing in the corner, I was like, oh, <laughs> this yeah. this would benefit from 2022 technology. <laughs> Surely. And maybe it wasn't so bad in low def. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe it's just what we got now. But uh, uh, Natoth goes to Chikar's quarters mm-hmm. to find he is left to investigate Sector 37. Yeah. Lando comes to check on Garibaldi in surgery. Mm-hmm. And his aide is there watching as well. Yeah. Morden uh, talks to some invisible aliens about Lando. He is their pawn now. Catherine comforts Sinclair. And Lanier watches Delenn. I, I watched this episode twice. And both yeah. times at the end, I texted you, God, what a bummer. Right. <laughs> this episode ends. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. Yeah. There's none of that satisfying, like, end of season. We've resolved anything. No, it's a giant cliffhanger. And I mean, that's what JMS wanted. I remember reading notes about how it's like people from the studio were like, this is the most dramatic cliffhanger in television. Like, you know, it's setting the bar higher Mm -hmm. for the amount of pieces to pick up as far as the cliffhanger. Because literally everything, there's nothing settled. Every single thing that could change changes in this episode. We have... Jakar running off to who knows where. We have the president dead. Garibaldi may be dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that last line, nothing's the same anymore. Yeah. Is accurate. Yeah, it's just crazy, the amount of stuff. So this was first broadcast October 3rd, 1994 in the UK. But in the yeah. US, it would have aired in August. And that is traditionally a month of low viewership in the US. So it was held back a number of weeks and was effectively the season two premiere. What? Yep. Oh, man. P10 even advertised it as such, even though it was produced halfway through the first year of shooting. So there's actually some debate as whether or not this is the end of season one or the start of season two. Wow. Per how JMS has organized the episodes. It is the season one finale. That's what it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it better as a finale. Yeah, for sure. A season opener, yikes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that certainly sets the stage for a lot of things, but... It does. That would mean that Legacies was our last episode of the season, right? Um, Air order would have been the quality of Mercy, I believe. Oh, okay. Still, not, not a strong enough yeah. <laughs> ending episode for the season to me how do you feel about this giant bummer i really liked this episode it's a really good episode for as much praise as i showered upon babylon squared for setting the table this is serving a meal you know so much of this episode solely exists because of all of the work done throughout the first you know season there's so many things that are picked up in this episode that were set down in other places. Most of the big mysteries from season one are at the very least acknowledged, if not answered. Yeah, we, we get more mysteries, though. You know, we don't know what's inside Kasha's suit. Yeah, well, the, the mystery of the Vorlons, what the Vorlons look like, has been the whole time. So, you know, they bring that back. There's been all kinds of stuff about the president and the vice president not necessarily getting along 
mm-hmm. hidden throughout the episodes. You know, the talk of how Santiago wanted to make Earth a more open society and humanity a more open species. Mm-hmm. And then for him to die and his vice president to immediately go, Nabra. You know, it's poignant. Yeah. So, and you, you wonder, what, because we talked to one of the senators that we've never seen in this episode. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, was she in on it? How does, how far does this thing go? So. Yeah. Because no one else was, I'm sure no one else was calling. So, mm-hmm. and if it was a normal thing, they probably would have let him just talk to his normal senator. Yeah. Uh, Hidoshi. Hidoshi. Yeah. So I really like this episode. I'd give this a Babylon four out of five. Giving it a four out of five? Yep. I, ooh, I did not think about my numbers before we sat down here. This is really artfully put together. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of cuts to different things. We have a lot of pieces on the board. There's so much in this episode. This episode is so fast. I like that we see our main ambassadors, Delenn, Londo, Jakar, Kosh. Mm-hmm. And we get the three that have AIDS. We also get their AIDS. Like yeah. everybody's here except Talia. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see where she could have been put in, but it's so, it's so many pieces moving. I don't know. I, I almost feel like this is a five out of five for me. Like yeah. it, this episode gets out. me. It, it tears me apart at the end because it's that classic you're watching. The audience knows what we've seen with Garibaldi. Mm-hmm. but our main characters don't know that they're being jammed and if they just knew that they could have mm-hmm. helped and maybe they could have helped yeah it might have been a foregone apart. conclusion at that point it might have been nothing they could do but yeah yeah it's it guts me and i that's that's the kind of writing that i feel is a five out of five even though like at the same time i i hate what's happening it's like no <laughs> No, please don't. Have you watched the first episode of season two yet? I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have not. I've, I'm, I'm behind right now. <laughs> so. We basically finished this one and I was like, I need to, I need closure. We need yeah. to go on to, to see, episode one know, of that, season that, two. That's what I wanted to know though. It's like, because I, I had a feeling you would watch it right after uh-huh. that closure. Because I mean, there's two types of TV viewers when it comes to these cliffhangers, especially in the binge era. Uh-huh. You know, it's, do you need to watch the next episode? You know, it's not a want, it is a need. (laughs) Yeah. I needed to, and spoilers, I don't get a lot of closure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a whole bunch of stuff happened. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff happened, and then the, well, we'll talk about that episode when we get there. In, like, two weeks, because next week we're going to do our season one recap episode. Yeah, there's a lot we've got to remind ourselves about. There's going to be a bunch of stuff. We've gotten a handful of viewer mails. Thank you if you sent one in. If you haven't, by the time this episode airs, I think it will be too late. Yeah, probably so. But you can still put your thoughts out there in the universe. Yeah, feel feel free to share any of the thoughts you had for our next mailbag. We could talk about it then mm-hmm. or um, on social media, which we need to get a Discord. <laughs> yeah. need, I need to do that now so that way it's before this episode airs. Yeah, I'm going to have to put you in charge of Discord because I barely know the app and I do not know how to do it. That's fine. I can handle <laughs> it all. Just really yell at me. So I'll, I'll, I'll get it. in there, but I'll, I'll do it. it. There will, uh, we will have a Discord before this episode airs. And when this episode airs, we'll share the link. Yeah. 
Well, thank you to Jeremy Siegel at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com for our theme music. Thank you to Angry Duck Time Machine for the art from our podcast. Appreciate that. Thank you to you, the listener, for spending your time with us today. And if you have anything you'd like to share with us, you can do so at our email, whoareyoub5 at gmail.com. Or on our Discord that will totally exist by the time this episode airs. Yeah, Discord coming. (laughs) TBD. (laughs) See you next week. See you next week.